This is the Two-Tone Uncensored Podcast. Hosts Matt McCrone, Brian Moreland, and Glenn Lotzenheiser talk everything Tennessee Titans. This show is made for the fans of Bleed Two-Tone Blue. Hey, this is Kevin Dyson, former Tennessee Titan, and you're listening to Two-Tone Uncensored. This is Two-Tone Uncensored. I'm your host, Ron Moreland. We have a great show for you tonight, the draft preview show, as we get closer and closer to this April 27th date. Uh, Very excited to do this, and here with me, as always, the first pick of the 2017 draft show coming out of Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, the ultra-high-energy podcast host, Matt Necron. I am so excited. You can just feel the electricity, man. And also, a surprise pick at number two, the 74-year-old phenom out of Oklahoma, Glenn Lotzenheiser. Oh, my Geritol's working. I I got some Insure going on, and I got my adult diapers on. I think I can get through the first round. (laughs) Nice. All right. Uh, Like I said, it's it's a complete draft preview. We have the mailbag that's all draft questions. Um, We have some news for you that's, you know, some of it's draft-related, some not. And then we're going in, and we're doing a complete uh, first-round mock draft. We'll get more into detail on that when we reach it after the break. So let's jump right into the mailbag here. First question, guys, from Justin Miracle. With the fifth pick, if we do not trade back, are we going offense or defense here? I'm voting defense. It, it could be offense, but there's just not that many players that excite me enough for number five. So I'm going impactful defensive player. I think they're going to go defense. I guess because I don't think Williams will be there at 18 I one offense, but there's way more um, – top five prospects on the defensive side of the ball. We're more likely to go that route, and I probably won't be pissed. Uh, there is always that possibility. My boy does fall to 18, so I can keep that hope alive, but defense is likely. Yeah, I agree. The only offensive player, really, that, that I'd want to take at five is Mike Williams, and I just think that's a might be a little early for him, and hopefully he does drop to 18 for us to get him. Uh, but you guys... I mean, that's an easy one there. Defense, because it's a defense-driven draft class this year. Um, Tyler Musson comes up with a second question here. You have no draft partner at five. So, same scenario here. Who do you personally want at that fifth pick? Let's see. Who do we want? (laughs) Uh, Miles Garrett. That's who I want at that pick. It's not going to happen. Just someone impactful on defense. Uh, there's several guys that kind of fall into that group for me. So maybe like a Jonathan Allen, Adams, Lattimore, somewhere in that group. The obvious answer that I'm kind of dreading is Lattimore. I think if he's there and we stay at five, Jamal Adams has got to be the most enticing pick in my mind. But like he just said, Jonathan Allen would be a good one too. Yeah, Miles Garrett's the first name that comes to mind, but obviously not going to be there. Like you guys said, Adams would be nice. Lattimore, I like. You know, there's Allen, also a great addition. Uh, there's a lot of guys there that you could take. 
you know, that would be awesome. You know, I, that's the, uh, the beauty of picking at five is there are a lot of great talent. Or there's a lot of great talent left on the board at five. And then staying with the fifth pick here, Sonny Ali asks, what are our most likely trade partners if we do trade back from five? The day he's popping up is like the Saints. Someone in that range, probably someone trying to move up from 10 to 15 is probably where we're talking about in there. I would really like not to trade out of the top 10. I think after about nine, you start losing those special players. And then you're just kind of into everybody else. You know, I, I've heard several uh, people whose word I trust and whose ability to evaluate, like Gilbrandt, has said after about 10 or 11, out to about number 60, they're all roughly the same guy. So he's saying you've got your nine, maybe 10 elite players, and then the rest of the first and second round are all roughly the same guys, which is why I think we want to get a second-round pick because there is so much depth that if we can trade back just a little bit and into the second round, we still get the same roughly quality player that we're going to get, say, 18, but we're getting him in the second round, and we've picked up another pick, hopefully like a first round next year and a second this year or something like that. I guess when it comes to trading partners, Cleveland's got obviously the most picks in this year's draft. Um, They're probably the favorite, but... To go a couple of spots ahead of Cleveland, I think Buffalo has a good chance to sneak up, and especially if Trubisky goes at two, which is uh, the latest rumor, I think teams will jump to get Deshaun Watson, and I think Buffalo could be that team to do that. So I'll go ahead and say Buffalo. Teams rarely trade up in that early of the draft, in the the top five, unless they want a quarterback. So I'm looking at teams that are going to need a quarterback this year are going to need a quarterback soon. So like you guys, Saints, uh, Browns, Cardinals are the ones he might add to that uh, because it would be that far to drop back um, for us. And, you know, obviously Carson Palmer is probably going into his last year. So those are three teams that I looked at that could be possible trade partners for us at five. One thing that, that sits in our favor is the fact that the Jets pick at six. So anybody that, that wants to leapfrog them to get a quarterback, uh, they're, they're going to have to come through us. So, yeah, definitely. What we need is we need someone to fall in love with one of these quarterbacks, which I can't do this year. I would not trade up to draft any of these guys this year. I mean, e- even if you need a quarterback, you know, e- even Deshaun Watson, Trubisky, there's a few guys that are on that list, but they're middle of the first round kind of guys to me, even if you need a quarterback. So I wouldn't trade up for any of these guys. And that's kind of what the Titans are counting on is someone, you know, falling in love and convincing themselves that, this guy could be the guy. You know, if someone wants to jump and take a shot at Patrick Mahomes early or something like that, you know, by all means, let him come to us. Let's make that trade and get it done. But just this, this is a rough year, I think, for getting people to move up because if the uh, 49ers go quarterback, until you get to the Jets, there's no real discussion about quarterback at that point, and we're not sure what they're going to do. You guys are exactly right. The one bonus, Jets picking right behind us, um, one negative. Uh, that Glenn just brought up is, you know, it's not that great of a draft class for quarterbacks. And one other negative for me is the second group of quarterbacks has a lot of talent in it. You know, Peterson from Pittsburgh, I've been watching this guy, very talented football player. I like this kid a lot. And there's a lot of guys like that that in that second group that are not, it's not a big jump from the first group to the second group. So you can get a quarterback that's almost as talented probably in the second, maybe even the third round. Yeah, and that's what really kills it is that whole 
after 10, they're all roughly the same guy, just different skill sets a little bit here and there for what kind of system you're using. So it kills that value. Uh, we just Someone's got to fall in love and convince themselves that that's the guy, and it's a much tougher year to do that than it was you know, the last couple of years. Absolutely. All right, moving on to the fourth question in the mailbag from Jay Russell. What player do you think will be a bust that is likely going in the first round? Uh, my, my pick is Peppers. I still can't figure out why everybody loves that guy so much. You know, he, he's really athletic. That's about it. He's not much of a football player beyond that to me. He's got his uses. The right defensive coordinator could put him to work. I'm sure if LeBeau had him, he'd find something to do with him. But I just, if he goes in the, you know, the top half of the first round or probably just the first round in general, I don't think you ever get the value out of him that, you know, for what you spent that pick on. I'm going to have to go ahead and say John Ross. Uh, speed does kill in this league. However, if you're not on the field because you're injured, you don't get to display that speed. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and say John Ross, and I'm praying that we do not pick him with any of our picks. You guys picked both of the guys that I had written down here. So uh, to be a different, I'm just going to go with quarterbacks in general. I think going early this year on a quarterback is a mistake. I just don't see the overwhelming talent in these guys. And I think, you know, a couple of them, I think like Deshaun Watson, I think he'll be an average NFL quarterback. You know, I don't think he'll be great, but I don't think he'll be bad either. I think he'll be an average starter, you know, along the lines of like Andy Dalton. Even though Andy Dalton's had some great years, he's still an average quarterback in the league. And Alex Smith, average quarterback in the league. Well, there's nothing wrong with that. But if you pick that guy, you know, at two, like they're talking about with Trubisky right now, or you pick him at, you know, five if you trade up for the Titans pick, or six if you're the Jets, that is a lot to spend on a guy that's just average. So I'll just go to the quarterbacks as a whole in this draft class. All right, last question to mailbag guys. Mallory Walsh sends this one in. What later round talent has caught your eye so far in this, you know, leading up to the draft? Problem is, it's so deep. There's there's quite a few guys I think you can get later on that are sneak up on you, like the small school guys. I can't think of the name off the top of my head. There's there's a couple of guys that I've, I've read about and gone and tried to find tape on that I couldn't really find any good stuff on that. Uh, I've heard about and thought, you know, that could be a good, you know, mid to late round find for us. I just, I, I can't give you a name right now. Yeah, to piggyback off of that, um, there's a tight end. I don't remember his name. Out of uh, Ashland, I believe. Small, like, might as well be a community college. That kind of small. Uh, but he's like, I believe he's like 270, runs like a 4.7. He's played nobody in college, obviously, at that level. But uh, a lot of people are excited about him. So if we do go tight end, I'm not exactly looking for him, but if, if we do ignore it early on just to go different positions and he's there later on, I've heard good things about him. So whatever dude's name is from Ashland, I believe. Like I said earlier, I said Peterson. I meant Peterman. Uh, Nathan Peterman coming out of Pittsburgh at quarterback. We don't really need a quarterback, obviously, so not for us, but he's a guy that caught my eye. Uh, Quincy Wilson has dropped back. He could still be a first-rounder, but he seems like he won't be. I still really, really like this guy. Uh, Davis Webb's another quarterback out of Cal. I really like. Um, and the other guy, uh, Brian Hill out of Wyoming, running back. Also something we don't really need, but a guy that's really caught my eye that I think um, is one of the better tight ends in this class and doesn't get 
talked enough about. And just to throw this in real quick, uh, Gerald Everett, tight end from South Alabama, a very talented tight end. But there's a, I mean, any you go to tight end, you go corner in this draft, you can name, I mean, probably 30 if you combine those two of guys that are going late in rounds that have the possibility to be real stars in the league. So it's really depends on what position you like and you think it's deep. There's a lot of guys. A cornerback, you can list off probably 17 guys that are going to be picked in the later rounds that have the real possibility of being good starters in this league. I'll also add in, uh, I think he actually goes a little bit earlier than people think, but Ben Bulaware, if we could get him six round or later, uh, that would be awesome. Absolutely. I, you got to love the guys that are all heart, and, and Bulaware's definitely one of those guys. All right, that's it for the mailbag. As always, you can find the mailbag on our Facebook page, Two Tone Uncensored, uh, or the Tennessee Titans Uncensored Facebook group. Uh, if you're not a member, you should join. It's the best Titans Facebook page, bar none. And then we put out posts every single week. All you do is comment your questions. We pick the best questions every week, and those are the ones that get end up on the air. So let's go into the news here, guys. The first one, this is the schedule is actually released now, so we know when we're going to be facing everybody. Before we knew who we had at home and who was away, but now we know the exact order. Uh, any of these games really catch your eye when you were looking at the schedule, guys? The one I like the best is the uh, Jaguars the last week of the year. You know, New Year's Eve, Titans home game. That, that, that looks like it's going to set up to be a, just a great game and a great atmosphere because we should be trying to go into the playoffs at that point. So that, that one excites me. But the the first stretch of the year, we've got some pretty tough games that started out, some good competition. You know, Oakland's in there. I really think that the, those first four games are going to set the tone for the year. We need to come out of there with a winning record. And whoever it's against, that's what I want. As far as, you know, who, who we get those wins out, I want three wins out of those first four weeks. Yeah, well put. I think that uh, out of those four games, our biggest opponents are at home. So I think that's going to be huge. We obviously have divisional opponents on the road. Um, But one thing I took away from the schedule was the week eight bye. In my opinion, that's the perfect week to have a bye week. And then we come back at home against Baltimore, which is probably going to be a pretty big game. So we have Cleveland right before the bye week. And I think that's going to be huge as far as if we are nursing some injuries we're going to have cleveland to go up against right before we get a week off so i think that's going to help us out as well big game for me though has got to be the thursday night game against the steelers the steelers are my most hated team outside of our division i grew up around steeler fans and they're almost like and i know we have a lot of buckeye fans but they're almost like ohio state fans in my mind there's like they're just a certain breed that i have to like sparingly i can't take too much of them I, I don't know i guess it's just something in the water in that area of the country that's a big game for me i've never liked the steelers and, and i really want to win that one but uh to glenn's point that jacksonville game is actually on my birthday so if i can make it out to that game that would be pretty sweet you guys said a lot of what i was going to say here i grew up in the same area like that pittsburgh uh, steeler country and your comparison to buckeye fans i think is 100 percent on the nose you nailed that one uh, the pittsburgh game you know prime time on a thursday night that's exciting uh, i like that matchup a lot but i noticed and not just in the beginning of the schedule but outside of that pittsburgh game we really got the teams at home that you kind of want to see us have at home you know we get oakland at home we get seattle at home uh baltimore and cincy are you know nice home games for us Pittsburgh, obviously, you'd rather play at home, but that's kind of like the one that sticks out. Outside of that, it, it really shook out in our favor this year. 
for the games that you want to have at home and the games you want to have away, really the only one that I think we kind of lost luck on was the Pittsburgh matchup. All the other ones, it's the teams that you want to have at home were playing at home, which, you know, that definitely um, has a huge impact on how your season can go. So that's definitely one takeaway that I had. All right, moving on to the next news story and probably Matt's favorite, uh, Paul Kaharski will end his time with ESPN in July. Uh, there's been a slate of cutbacks, try to, you know, just clean up a little bit, make it sleeker to save money, and PK was one that was picked uh, for these cuts. So it wasn't really as much a performance thing as it was, you know, just trying to clean house. And I know who PK obviously does not have a lot of uh, fans in Titans Nation, not a lot of great things to say about Paul. And I know, Matt, you're one that, definitely i don't think ever had anything good to say about pk so i know that you're happy with this one yeah um i wish i could say i had something to do with this unfortunately i didn't but um (laughs) uh, he he basically is going to be a thorn in nashville until the midday 180 decides to get rid of him I'm, i'm glad that he's no longer that national analyst for us because you know i i hear him on a national on on national radio and he doesn't paint the picture quite like he does to local Nashville radio fans. He's more blunt, I guess, towards the, the local fans. But when he is speaking nationally, he's he still has that kind of arrogance about him, but he's not as brash as he as he normally is. But I'm just kind of glad that uh, he's no longer going to be seen as that guy for the Titans. Um, there's plenty of better guys out there for that job, and... Is it the case that ESPN is just way over budget? Is that the... Yeah, they just spent way too much money buying exclusive rights to different sports. And then, you know, the world of streaming and all that came online, and they hadn't adjusted any of their contracts. So they're basically going bankrupt and having to cut talent back. And, you know, whatever you're paying PK, it's too much. So it yes. makes sense. Yeah, I, I feel bad for the other... I, I feel bad for the other eight people, but... Uh, PK, fuck you, and uh, enjoy, I guess, the midday, because that's where you'll be. Yeah. Uh, my biggest issue with Kaharski was more on a technical standpoint, not not so much the things he said, which I didn't usually agree with. He wasn't always wrong whenever he said things that weren't complimentary about the Titans. I was okay with most of that. Uh, I think the Derrick Henry deal, where I think a lot of fans turned against him because he was blowing that up and trying to make a big story out of that without doing any research first. He never called henry's agent he didn't make any effort to find out what was going on and just started trying to stir shit up on derrick henry in the locker room i I think that cost him a lot my thing is his stories tended to be repetitive the same thing every year he just changed the name and a date uh you didn't get a lot of good information because he just kind of wrote the same crap articles over and over again there just there wasn't a lot of inventive to him um i know several guys on our uh, tennessee titans uncensored page and in our admin group, have all mentioned, you know, they, they've called Paul out on Twitter, on uh, Instagram. You know, they, they've spoken to him. They've made, asked him questions, and he's downplayed their question, called it stupid, said that's irrelevant. And then two days later, he's writing that article. If you're gonna act like the fans are idiots, maybe you don't steal your ideas from them. Because the only time he ever wrote anything originate, original or new was when he stole it from the, you know, one of the fans, either ripping him or asking him a question that he blew off as stupid. 
So, you know, I'm, I'm not a fan of PK at all, just from a someone, you know, who's done journalism and looks at it from that aspect. I, he's kind of a hack to me. So good riddance. Yeah. You big dummy. <laughs> I've never been as hard on PK as most Titans fans, um, but I would agree with what, what Glenn says. You know, as, as someone who is in the, like the journalism field, you know, you're not going to be always popular. If you're a good journalist, you're not going to be always popular. But he kind of took this, like, me versus the fan stance pretty early, and that's not not going to win over the, the local populace for sure. And I think that's why you see a lot of a lot of stuff about a lot of hate for PK. But he was an average writer. I don't think there was anything spectacular about what he wrote. I don't think he was terrible. I just think that he was okay and that kind of guy is never really going to stand out especially at espn where there's so many you know fantastic writers that they have and like on their staff they're you're not going to stand out if you're okay it's not a really surprise that he was part of the slate of cutbacks with um you know the style of writing the kind of writing that we've seen from him recently i wonder what the over under uh of colt's gear in his closet would be (laughs) (laughs) i knew that was coming (laughs) I, I knew a, Matt would have to you know, bring out the, uh, he's got to be a Colts fan thing. <laughs> he is, man. He, he's a douche. One thing I'll say, my favorite PK moment of uh, recent memory was during the Dante Hightower watch, where I actually, during midday, decided I was going to listen to the midday uh, while we were, I thought, while we were trying to uh, attempt to recruit Hightower, when uh, apparently <laughs> some Twitter troll with the uh, with the name something was Schefter, but instead of the T, he had a one as the T, and it was like it was basically a a copy of whatever picture Adam Schefter has on his Twitter account. So he, oh, he basically yeah. he basically yeah. So he trolled PK. PK read it on the air, and they went to break, and he comes back and had to apologize to everybody. <laughs> that was one of his finest. Had to admit sure. that he wasn't a that was a very unprofessional of him and all that. Yeah, that was that was a pretty nice retraction he had to do. Yeah, and uh, Hutton and I forget the other dude's name, but they would not let him live that down. They brought it up every yeah. every every oh, yeah. few minutes. Yeah, well, he would do it. He would do it too. They were like, "We're just doing what you would do to us." Mm-hmm. It's like you're a dick, so we're being a dick to you. Here you go. <laughs> so overall, from Titans Nation, it's uh, good riddance for PK. Even though he'll still like like Matt said, be on the midday. So he's not gone. He'll still be not like, gone. Ready. But you don't have to see as much of him uh, as you would normally. So, you know, that's kind of nice. But Did you guys see the picture? I believe, I think it was Tyler that posted on the page of the dude in the courtroom. Had the, his head was shaped like an ass and it said it was PK. <laughs> <laughs> I saw that picture this morning. I didn't see the one that was, you know, was it, Yeah, for, for, any, yeah well, for, for any of you that haven't, go on there and check it out. It's well worth it. <laughs> All right, guys, let's move on to the next story here. Less lighthearted, far more serious. Florida Gators defensive tackle Caleb Brantley, who already declared for the draft, uh, has gotten himself into some hot water to say the least. He has allegedly knocked a woman unconscious uh, in a dispute uh, and is being charged with a misdemeanor battery charge just you know within the fir- a week of going into the NFL draft. He's 6'2", 302 pounds. The story is... Uh, that, you know, that's out there. Allegedly what happened, I'll say, is that he had some crude comments towards her. She pushed him, 
And then he struck her in the face, uh, knocking her unconscious. She's five foot six, 120 pounds. So basically, one third of Brantley. Uh, real stupid move, especially the timing of it. Couldn't be worse for the kid. But you know, it's kind of Matt was saying earlier before we started the show. It's kind of nice because he now he kind of gets hit double. He's going to hit by the law, but it's also hitting his pocket now because he's going to drop down the draft board. You have to match it quite a bit. He's a projected second rounder. Um, so probably going to see him fall a couple rounds. Yeah, and initially no one filed any charges in that, but then they were filed later. And he tried to paint it as more of like the uh, um, the Joe Mixon situation where he was defending himself and she had hit him first. And, you know, you just explained it perfectly there. He said something he, he knows he doesn't need to be saying. She pushed him. He hit her. Uh, he, he, my understanding is she had to have a root canal. Uh, he's obviously going to be paying for that. It's an incredibly stupid thing to be involved in right before the draft. I mean, it's it's one of those things where this is going to really fuck up your draft status. He He's a sixth, seventh round pick all of a sudden. And he was a, you know, probably mid second, third round. People had talked about him maybe sliding his way up into the first round even just because, as I've already discussed a couple of times, the, the talent pool is all about level you know, in that range. So there was a chance that he could go up or down, you know, depending on what people thought of him. This takes care of that question for him. He's no longer in that group. He now drops down quite a bit. He can't paint it as the Joe Mixon thing where she scratched him. It's on camera because he lied about it first. And then the the truth came out. So it just hurts him that much more. It becomes even more of a character issue. So brilliant job on his part. Gets him out of the uh, the talent pool. We don't have to worry about us drafting him now. You know, one, one less guy to be on your draft board as you're trying to project the draft. Dude, this is a 300-pound fucking man that hit a 120-pound woman. I mean, there's I don't care what the fuck she did to you. If she can punch you in the face three times, and, and you, I mean, that's, that's ridiculous. Um, I'm glad it happened now as opposed to after next week. Or after this week, rather. Can you imagine drafting this guy and then, you know, the next fucking day he pulls this shit? Oh, like, yeah. I would be, it's just, I hope he goes undrafted. I mean, I, there's no room for that anywhere. The whole, it doesn't matter if it was a Mixon situation. Mixon was wrong, too. I mean, oh, yeah. in, the, in this case, there's no justification for, for any, anything of that kind. I mean, it, it's horrible and dude should never be in the league. Yeah, I mean, her, her push... There's no way he even felt that shit. Exactly. No, this guy's like trying to make a living by you know pushing 300 pound guys out of his way, 300 plus pound guys out of his way, you know, to nail a 200 pound guy in the backfield. You know, this girl five six, 120 pounds. I mean, uh, come on. I mean, she probably pushed him and she went backward, and then he hit her. Like that's just. Completely uncalled for. Um, like Matt said, you know, you hope that he goes undrafted. You just know it's not going to happen. Someone's going to take him because the value is obviously going to get too high at a certain point uh, because of the caliber of player that he is uh, and how far he'll likely drop. Um, just I wanted to ask you guys, how far do you think this drops him being this close to the draft? Uh, like I said, probably three to four rounds. Uh, let's just say he was a early to mid second round guy. It's hard for me to say, but I would, I'd say at least sixth round and that's sad, but I think that's probably right where, uh, 
right where somebody will take a chance or whatever the deal is. I don't know. I, I There's no way I would draft him. I mean, he, whoever does take him is definitely going to have a, a PR nightmare, but that's that's on them. That's the thing is, like the, with the PR, you have to wait until an, so many people are just not paying attention that it's going to be less of a story. So I think fifth round is the absolute first round that you can take this guy. Because when people, like, stop paying attention in the later rounds, you know, they're not watching um, unless they're, you know, a more diehard fan. So that guy, when he gets drafted, it's less of a story. You can't come in and draft this guy still in the second. And you can't draft him in the third. Even the fourth, I think, would be a stretch because people are still watching. It's going to be a bigger story. In the sixth round, in the fifth round, sixth round, seventh round, it's a it's a non-story at that point. It'll get a little play um, because it just happened. You know, it's it's recent, it's fresh, uh, but it's not going to be that big of a deal. There's going to be other big stories because several hundred other guys have gotten drafted to teams, most of them higher than what he's going to go now. Uh, you know, there's a lot more you know to talk about in the NFL. So it's you know it's it's definitely something that a team you're going to have to wait just for the PR side of things you don't want to get the negative publicity uh but i would say fifth is when it starts to open up for him and teams are going to start looking at him uh but i don't know i i wouldn't draft him he'd be off my board right now yeah one other thing that we haven't mentioned yet we should probably cover is the fact that uh not only reuben foster with a diluted piss test but also jabril peppers also had a diluted piss test um (laughs) If Reuben Foster, I'm sure he'll be there at five. I don't know how I would feel taking him there. I mean, this is, I don't care if they smoke weed. I care that they're stupid enough to fail a piss test when they know they're taking a piss test. But with that being said, if Reuben Foster is there at 18, it's hard to pass on that. Yeah, that's what it comes down to is it's so stupid that, you know, you show that lack of judgment. It makes you question how is he going to be able to stay eligible? Is he going to stay on the field? It's it's not about the pot. It's about the mentality of I can get away with this, so I'm going to go ahead and do it and putting your whole career in, at risk. Uh, it's been getting the rounds of the radio is that question, too. It's just it's hard to believe that in this day and age you can't not smoke pot for two weeks You know when you know there's a test coming. Well, the other thing is it makes you question their willpower. You know – you know how long it takes. Like, if you smoke pot, you know how long it takes to get out of your system. So you quit smoking it, but, the, you know, these guys that are party and someone has it, and they're like, oh, I can probably do this, and it'll work. I can I can do this, and, and it'll be fine. And it's just a lack of willpower. So that makes you question the football side of things, too. Like, is this going to be a guy that does that extra set in the weight room? Is this going to be the guy that gives 100% on every play? You know, those kind of questions for me start coming up when I see this because, you know, these guys know when that piss test is. It's not like he was like that. He was it just came out of nowhere, popped up. He was just like, oh, now I have to take it. And I've been smoking pot the whole month. You know exactly what it is. So it's a it's a judgment call, a lack of willpower. Someone offers it. Someone has it. And they're like they offer you uh, to smoke. And then they end up smoking because they think, oh, well, you know, I can get by. But, and it's just a complete lack of willpower. You just, you quit smoking. You pass the piss test. You get drafted, make millions of dollars. Uh, lack of judgment, lack of willpower. And it makes me question the football side of things, not just eligibility, but is this the guy I want on my team? And you know, his agent prepped him for all this and sent him reminders and like, don't party before this date. Just behave yourself until the draft. 
They're, they're, they have all the warnings they could possibly need. And when they went through the combine, they were talked to about this shit. Their, their agent, his whole job is to help you get drafted in the best possible position possible and help you get as much money as possible. So it's not like he just said, oh, he'll, he'll behave himself. It'll be good. You know, you know he got told, don't fucking do it. And he did it anyway. Dude, how pissed are you if you're one of their agents? Like, how fucking dumb are you? You're losing. I'm losing money because of your fucking stupidity. That's how that conversation is going too. Is how fucking stupid are you? That's when you bring like mama and and dad into it. That's what I do if I'm an agent. Is I immediately bring, you know, it's because mama has that power. It seems like for most people when she comes in, it's um, you always see these guys that are gigantic football players and stuff, and they're. A tiny mom's there, and like what she says goes. And you know, when they go to the recruitment, you always see it in football. But you bring them in there, and you're just like, Look, you're staying here, you're staying with mom and dad for the rest of the time. You obviously can't be trusted. You're losing millions of dollars for me, you're losing millions of dollars for yourself. You know, it's I'm, I, hiring me, you know, was an investment, it makes you an investment for me. You're losing me money, you're losing yourself money, you're losing your family money. Uh, and, you know, potential endorsements down the road, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Like, you're a liability to yourself. You just need to stay at mom's and not do anything until, you know, the phone rings. You'd have to be so mad. It's like, you're such an idiot, kid. Plus, most of these guys, too, agents, you got to think, average age has to be, what, 40, 45? So these are guys that aren't kids coming into the NFL. They're... They're adults, you know, that are, you know, responsible human beings. So it, it has to hurt even worse that you don't have that mentality of a 22-year-old anymore. You know, so you're just like, how in the world could you possibly do this? If you're their agent, you're all kinds of pissed off. I don't know that you'd be able to bring mom in at this point because they are a grown-ass man. It's like, look, now you get to go tell your mom why you just cost yourself a house. It's like you Absolutely. were going to buy your mom a house. Now you're going to buy her a smaller house. You <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's a fucking drop in the bucket. They don't care. It's it's not a drop in the bucket. We're going from you know second to high first round, mid mid first round. Once you get down to like the second round, it's not going to cost yeah. Ruben Foster, but a guy like uh, Peppers who you already have questions about, that's got to drop him just that much more. Oh, and a guy like Brantley, I mean, you're looking at seventy, eighty well, percent of what he would have made. Yeah, you know, that that that's your mom should be beating your ass right now for doing that. Um, I don't want to talk to the guy at that point. You know, if I was his agent, I'd just drop his ass. Like, never mind. You obviously don't know how to, you know, be an adult. So just get out of here. Right. I want to take on a guy, on a client that's ready to play football and you know make the right decisions and and get there. Especially like if it's smoking pot, you know, it's a slight drop. Punching a woman within a week of the draft, you're just like, come on. Yeah. As far as the pay scale goes, I think a lot of these guys that don't come from a lot of money. I don't think they quite understand what the difference between five hundred thousand and you know a million is. Which no. to you, to to me, that's a hell of a lot of money. But when you when you look at it from the big picture, it's like the money they're getting is ridiculous. And even to be the lowest paid um, NFL player in the league, I don't know what he makes, but it's a lot more than I make. I'll tell you that, no question. All right, guys, we have one more news story to end on a on a happier note here. Uh, the majority owner for the Tennessee Titans, Amy Adams Strunk, today went skydiving with the Army's Golden Knights. She got the invitation from a, a local unit there in Tennessee and jumped on the opportunities and jumped out of an airplane with you know um, some of the 
finest uh, of um, America's military. So, pretty cool story. Not real, you know, super newsworthy, but you know, kind of a cool story that she went out there, you know, spent some time with the soldiers out there and, and jumped out of an airplane. You know, it definitely takes some balls to, to do it, to jump out of an airplane. Yeah, I'm not doing that again. <laughs> I've done it once. I'm good. You know, it, it's a nice thing for her to go do. Maybe it brings more attention to the team. It, beyond that, I don't really have much interest in her doing it, though. Yeah, I think it's pretty cool because, you know, that Tommy Smith would have never done anything well, he like that. He could have done it because his mustache would have pulled him out of a flight line. <laughs> get sucked into a rotor mustache first. Hey, forgive me. I don't remember his actual name. That's not Tommy Smith. That dude's actually cool as shit. Um, damn, oh, that's right. Must- that's Underhill in it or something like that. Underwood. Underwood, yes, Underwood. yes, yes, yes. Yeah. yes. Steve. That's right. Tommy that dude, Smith is yeah, yeah, Underwood. Okay. Underwood's cool as shit. Uh, Tommy Smith is a douchebag, but yeah. uh, it's cool that Amy Adams got out there and did it. I think it's uh, not a lot of owners are doing that. It just shows that she's willing to be different. And I like it. Yeah, absolutely. A neat story um, from our majority owner, and I just thought it was cool that she went out and did it. Spent time with some of the soldiers. But that's all we have for the news this week. We're going to head into the break, and as promised, when we come back, we will get into our first-round mock draft. I'm very excited for this, and I know Matt and Glenn are too. So we'll be right back after this quick commercial break. Time to pay the bills. Some quick ads, and we'll get right back to the show. Hey Titans fans, you've probably heard us talk about the group page several times on this show, and I'm sure you're wondering what we're talking about. Tennessee Titans Uncensored is a Facebook group page that was built by Titans fans for Titans fans and was founded by our very own Matt Necrone. If you're a Titans fan that's looking to talk about the latest Titan news, this is where you need to be. And you can help me shit talk with crackheads. Because nobody likes crackheads. That is Tennessee Titans Uncensored on Facebook. Tighten up. Hey guys, you've heard us talk about Hang 10 Apparel before on the show, and if you haven't checked them out, then you're truly missing out. Hang 10 is the one place to find unique Titans gear that you will not find anywhere else. Whether it's a Maragoda hoodie, a Mahalo Etcha Boy t-shirt, or Mike Keith's Music City Miracle Call on a sweater. There are no flags on the field! It's a miracle! The only place to find it is Hang 10. Just go to hangtn.com to find all this great gear. And while you're there, don't forget to use our promo code TWOTONE to get 10% off any purchase. That's hangtn.com, the official Titan shop of Two-Tone Uncensored. Tighten up. You're listening to Two-Tone Uncensored, brought to you by Podbean. Hey, this is Bo Scaife. You listening to Two Tone Uncensored? Tighten up. All right, and we're back from the commercial break. Now we're going to jump into the mock draft, and we came up with a little bit of a different idea. So here's how it's going to work: uh, we all set up our own big boards, 
Um, Matt's going to have the first pick of the draft, and then Glenn, and then myself, and then, of course, back to Matt, back to Glenn, and so on and so forth down through the draft. Uh, we have no ad- no idea who's taking who yet, so it's going to come off like a, a real, authentic, live draft. And you go get three different perspectives here. Uh, credit to Matt for the idea. He's the one that came up with the format, and I really like this. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. So without further ado, Matt, with the number one pick, you're on the clock. We're not doing any trade backs. I think we should no. be clear about yeah. that. Um, we do want to do trade backs, but we're not. Uh, but just to keep it fair, we're not going to do that. Uh, number one, Cleveland Browns. Obviously, they select Miles Garrett. Uh, if you have anyone else in that number one spot, you're probably wrong. Uh, <laughs> but I don't need to go over his credentials. His, he's a freak in, in nature. He's comparable to uh, Javon Curse in my mind. I think he's going to be a disruptive player like Javon Curse was. Uh, everybody says if he's there at so-and-so, we're taking him, but he's going at one here, and he's probably going to go number one Thursday night. Yeah, I couldn't possibly have argued with that. Um, th- there's maybe a couple players you could talk yourself into considering, but just at the end of the day, no one matches up. So you take Miles Garrett, unless you're taking a quarterback, and if you're taking one of these quarterbacks number one over Miles Garrett, there's probably going to be a, uh, a mannequin of you, you know, burning, getting hung outside of your stadium. You know, about an hour later, because the fans are going to fucking riot. I thought you were uh, going to go with a Jeff Foxworthy-style joke. Like, if you don't take Miles Garrett at one, you might be the Cleveland Browns. <laughs> that that could possibly work. Uh, it, it, that would have fit so well. It would have. If you trade back from one, and you've got ten other draft picks, you might be the Cleveland Browns. How about that? Because <laughs> you, you don't need to trade. What are you trading for at that point? You're like, we're going to get some more draft picks. You have, like, 22 picks in the next two years. You don't need more draft picks. You need to actually draft some players and develop somebody. But, okay, so moving on. Uh, obviously, I've got the 49ers at number two. There's quite a few ways they could go here. The whole team is just kind of jacked up. Um, I, I think the fact that Colin Kaepernick ended up playing so much of last year and you know, it was due to an injury, but I think they have to go quarterback here. Um, I personally wouldn't do it, but I think the 49ers will because they've got to pick somebody and develop them. So we are going Mitchell Trubisky because his mother said to call him Mitchell. He moves well. Uh, he's got a very quick release, which is nice. Does a pretty good job of protecting the ball, not throwing interceptions. He didn't have very many. And has played big in some tough moments and come from behind and won some games. So he's got that potential. I couldn't draft a quarterback this high ha- having seen that little of him. But you got to take a chance at some point. I think they need their future quarterback, so I'm going Mitchell Trubisky with pick two. A lot of people saying that that's where Trubisky will go to, so we'll see what happens Thursday, but I think that's a solid pick there. Uh, moving on to number three, the Chicago Bears. There's a lot of a lot of places you could go here. Chicago can fill a lot of holes, uh, but where I'm going is a player I really like, Solomon Thomas, defensive end out of Stanford. A little undersized, uh, but he's an incredibly explosive player. He's always always where he needs to be making plays. Just look at his production from college. I think he has the size and the ability to play in a 3-4 or a 4-3 system. And he comes from a very athletic pedigree. His mom, his dad, and his uncle were all collegiate athletes. Uh, so very impressive there. And I think he could do a lot for the Bears. You know, make that defense what it once was you know it used to be a very feared defense year in and year out it's been a long time since that's happened 
So getting Solomon Thomas here is the first step in the right direction to bringing back that imposing defense and something that you desperately need in the NFC North. With the number four selection, I do think the Jacksonville Jags will try to trade out because I think the players that they are looking at for their needs won't necessarily need to go at number four overall, but because we're not trading out, I feel comfortable going ahead and taking uh, Leonard Fournette. I think that he is the the guy that's going to bring them back to being somewhat relevant back when they had Fred Taylor. Uh, they needed that run game to establish themselves on the ground. I think Fournette would be a key piece uh, to any offense, but I think that uh, Jacksonville really likes him, so I'm going to go ahead and take Leonard Fournette. I couldn't possibly argue with that. I've mocked Fournette to them several times because a running back's kind of what they're missing. The inability to run that ball has left them re- relying on Blake Bortles way too much. So if they can't move, that's a good pick. For the Titans, you know, pick at number five. There's lots of debate about who you're taking at this point. There's lots of good players left on the board. I'm honestly going to go with Jonathan Allen. I, I think we need defensive line help. Uh, we're not desperate for it. But a player like Jonathan Allen, you put him out there with Casey, you, you change the whole front end of the defense at that point. Um, I, I know Derek Morgan would like to have a guy on his side like Arakpo has on his. Uh, Arakpo and Casey are such a tough combination on that edge that if you put Jonathan Allen and Derek Morgan on the other side, you, you've really changed the nature of our pass rush, which will help our secondary out more, I think, than any particular player on here i mean I'm, I'm tempted to go Lattimore at this point but i'm going jonathan allen because it helps the run game it improves the pressure on the quarterback which automatically helps out the pass defense I, th- I think he's just he's too good of a player at a position where we aren't going to be able to find that big of an impact player later on in this draft so i have to go with him i know that pick is going to shock some people but i absolutely love it um uh, great pick there, and like you said, Derek Morgan's going to shake your hand if that's what happens. That's going to make him a very happy man. But moving on here, number six, the New York Jets here, uh, obviously, as we talked about before, could be looking quarterback here. I went a different route, though, the reason being the quarterbacks aren't that great at the top, and I think the second layer of quarterbacks are almost, if not equally, as talented and they obviously going to pick very early in that second round where they could get a guy, um, you know, that they could have some faith in. So I'm going for talent over need a little bit. It's definitely a need for them. Marshawn Lattimore, cornerback, cor- Ohio State. Revis is is ending. You know, he's, he's at the end of his career. We saw it last year. He took a big step back. This is your Revis replacement. Uh, the best cornerback in the draft. And, and really, the Jets have so many holes, you could go anywhere here. Um, and there's a lot of places they could go. I really think this might be a pick that would be smart to trade back, get more draft picks, because you have to recognize that you're kind of in a rebuilding mode for the Jets right now. Uh, but if they don't, Marshawn Lattimore's a great pick for them. Help them face you know, the, the offenses that they have to face, obviously, um, one in particular in their division. And you need to to find somebody that can stop receivers on the outside. This will help out a lot with that. Marshawn Lattimore at number six. Number seven, we got the San Diego Chargers. And I think this is a perfect spot and a perfect fit for who they're about to take. I know the we've been going pretty quick with this top ten. It's probably going to get a little bit harder as we go. But for this, it's, it's almost a no-brainer. I think they take Malik Hooker. And I think he's 
I guess between filling in for um, Eric Weddle, who's been gone, he, he's been a Raven this past year, but um, he fills the void there. They definitely need secondary help, but I don't know what it is about Hooker, but I could already see him in that Chargers uniform. I think it's a perfect fit, and uh, I don't think they hesitate to take him. That pisses me off because that's who I was taking. Um, okay, so the Panthers, the, securing the defense a little bit more, I think that's the direction they would have gone. Hooker, uh, Lattimore, one of those two guys I think was their guy. So I'm actually going to go to the other side of the ball. I'm going to take an offensive player here. I'm going to take John Ross. Ted Ginn is done. they got to have that deep threat for their offense to work. The threat of Cam Newton moving his play action, it doesn't work if the receivers can't get up the field really fucking fast. So that's what John Ross does. I would not ever run John Ross over the middle, so putting him on the edge or out of the slot just streaking his ass i think that's a good fit for them uh, because of the way they use ted ginn and this is a younger player who has better hands in my opinion he's a better receiver than ted ginn was definitely has better hands ted ginn was 50 50 catching the ball but when he caught it he was gone so john ross i think is a a great fit for what they were trying to do before it helps get that offense back on track I think Ross is actually a really interesting pick there only because you look at their other receivers. You got uh, Devin Funches and Kelvin Benjamin, who are both uh, well over 6'3, six, 6'4. Six, so adding somebody like that, I think, is, is definitely going to be a good fit for their offense, something that's going to you know change the pace up a little bit. So, pretty good pick there, I think. Yeah, they, they although have some I big wouldn't take him. Guys. No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't take him that early, but I think that is a good pick. That, that might be a trade back situation. There's a lot to trade back. Most of this first 10 is you could trade back from here because these guys don't blow up your shorts. You know, and this is an interesting pick, but if, if you look at last year, um, Laquan Treadwell was like the consensus number one wide receiver coming into the draft, and he was not taken first uh, at wide receiver. So, you know, definitely something that could happen there. I'm going to move on here, though. Number nine, Cincinnati. Now it's starting to get with the picks are a little more difficult here. Uh, But I had this guy kind of penciled in at this position, and luckily that's who I'm going to get to go with. Uh, That's Taco Charlton, defensive end out of Michigan. He's gotten a little bit of flack for not being, you know, ultra productive uh, in college, but he progressed every year, which is something that coaches and GMs love to see. His motor's definitely been called into question, but he did a lot, I think, to shake that moniker in his senior season. He is the guy that, that's going to need some time. I think in his first year, he probably is going to play on a limited snap count. And then as he improves, obviously he plays more. But I think it's a good fit for Cincinnati, who, you know, is, is starting to lose a lot the last few years up front, really needs to get someone besides Perfect on that front seven that can make some plays and get after a quarterback if they want to be uh, competitive in that AFC North. Yeah, I don't like Taco well enough to have taken him that high. I, I like your thinking, but I just Taco doesn't move the needle for me like that. I couldn't do him in a top ten. I know very little about the guy. I've just heard what people have told me um, through different mock drafts and whatnot. But he's very up and down from what I've heard, and uh, he's not somebody that I think will go top ten. But you never know. But uh, number ten, we got the Buffalo Bills. This is kind of hard for me because I have a hunch that. They may make a move, like I said earlier, for Deshaun Watson. But um, the way this has played out, I'm actually going to go a different direction. And uh, the Buffalo Bills are going to take O.J. Howard. I think that 
nine is probably a good spot for an elite tight end to go. I think Howard probably fits that mold. Buffalo just retained Tyrod Taylor. So I think that maybe, even though I think Deshaun would be a good understudy, OJ Howard is just too good to pass, I think, at number nine. It, it, you can't argue against the uh, talent and value at that pick. I, I think they've got bigger needs, but like you said, he, he's one of those guys that could really change the way that offense works. Uh, they gave up, a, they, they've lost some uh, receiving options this year. So bringing OJ Howard in would really help them out in that regard, too. And the fact that he can block, you know, if you've got a mobile quarterback and you've got a tight end who can block and catch, that, that's a good combination. You know, that should work out well for them. I probably would have went wide receiver there if I was picking for the Bills, but but you have to get some weapons if you're gonna you know take if you're gonna keep Taylor and you're gonna uh, put your eggs in that basket, you have to give him a chance to succeed. You got to get playmakers. Yeah, and you know the thing is, is I I think Howard's potential at tight end, uh, assuming he fulfills that potential, is probably as high as any of the. Receivers in this draft, you know, that you're talking about in the first round anyway, and there's quite a few guys that you know they're going to be picking in the second round too. So there's quite a few guys in the second round. I think they can go receiver and still get a good pick. So tight end with OJ Howard makes sense here. Uh, uh, true, and they like to run that two tight end set. You put Clay yeah. on one side, Howard on the other. That's a dangerous combo. It's going to be real fucking rough to stop. And Clay has also only got one year left on his contract. So it, they bring in Howard, and he looks like he's the replacement. Awesome. If not, well, actually, he's not got one year left. He's got one year before they can really dump him and not just screw themselves cap-wise. So, you know, so Clay could be on his way out the door because he hasn't been real impressive the last couple of years, and this could be part of that move, or it could just be, you know, two tight end sets, like you said. Moving on, uh, pick 11's the Saints. I can't believe this guy's still on the board. We have to go Jamal Adams here. Uh, the Saints have never had a defense that was worth shit. Obviously, there's some things you would like to do, like they lost Brandon Cook, so... John Ross probably would have been a pretty good fit there, too. There's other options. You know, they have a history of big wide receivers. Like Mike Williams was a serious consideration here. But Jamal Adams is still on the board. So you have to go Jamal Adams and just change the tone of that whole Saints defense. I like that pick a lot there. Definitely helped a bad defense get better. And if he does fall that far, an absolute steal. At number 12 here, the Cleveland Browns, the team that truly needs everything. But I think they're going to go here and get their quarterback of the future. That's Deshaun Watson, quarterback out of Clemson. I know that's not what you want to hear, Matt, um, from your guy. But the guy's a great leader, you know, a champion. Uh, He went to the national championship twice in two years. Had a phenomenal career uh, at the University of Clemson. He's a guy that that has a lot to like. He needs to improve with a deep ball accuracy, and I think he needs to improve a little bit on his release, just making it a little bit faster. His footwork's there, though. He's obviously got all of the intangibles that you want in a quarterback. Um, Very fantastic player. I think he could do a lot for any team. The Cleveland Browns, though, they need to find a guy that can lead this football team. This is a guy that is a true leader for a team that really doesn't have one right now. So... I think it helps them on more than one front to take Deshaun Watson here. Yeah, you can come in and learn from Brock Osweiler. <laughs> <laughs> I don't wish the Cleveland Browns on anybody, but I am perfectly okay with them going there as long as he's not a Texan or a Jag. I know he's not going to be a Colt, but as long as he's not in our division, I 
I'm very happy because I I have a hard time accepting him going to uh, Houston or Jacksonville. But anyway, <clears throat> number thirteen, the Arizona Cardinals. This is kind of a a trick uh, answer, I guess, so to speak. I think with uh, Larry Fitzgerald in his last season, I think they go receiver here. Mike Williams is probably the perfect fit there, but I'm going to go with Corey Davis in hopes that my boy Mike Williams will reach uh, number 18. So kind of a homer pick uh, or anti-homer pick, I guess you should say, but uh, it's our mock draft and it's my pick, so I'm going to go with it. Well, it's not going to happen. The Eagles have got Carson Wentz. They've got DGB. Um, I, I think that they try to give them yet another receiver option here, and they're going to end up taking Mike Williams. Uh, he, he's a great value at this point, and that offense has got to get off the ground. They, they, they could have gone with a couple other guys here, but I, I think Mike Williams is too good of a value at 14 not to let go, man. I'm, I'm sorry. As soon as I heard you start explaining it, I was like, oh, I'm about to screw his world. <laughs> <laughs> he said, fuck your plans, Matt. Fuck you, Glenn. You're welcome, sir. <laughs> uh, all right, guys, at the 15 here, we have the Indianapolis Colts. And you know how Ryan Grigson's history has been at uh, picking up players that are not named Andrew Luck. But this one, I think a guy's falling to you that has, in my opinion, top five talent. And it could help out your defense a lot. And I know this is probably going to piss off both of you because you probably have not penciled in later. That's Reuben Foster, inside linebacker at Alabama. Uh, even as bad as Ryan Grigson has proven to be, there's no way you pass up on a, a top five talent with a 15th pick. Reuben Foster gives the Colts a lift on that front seven, which they need. And really gives you a guy in the middle of your defense that you can look to as a leader you know, down the road and build um, a defense that can help Andrew Luck win some football games. I hate this fucking pick. Fuck you. I do not want Reuben Foster in our division playing against us. Um, that, that's bad for Marcus. That's bad for our running backs. That's bad for Delaney going over the middle. It's exactly the right pick if you're the Colts, and I absolutely hate it. Yeah, I hate it for that reason too, Glenn. Um, you don't want this guy in your division, but I'm just trying to put myself in the general manager's shoes here and do what I think they'll do. And I think this is a, a pick that the Colts really just couldn't pass up on if, if Foster drops this far. Yeah, fuck that pick, Ryan. I do not want to see him in the division. Not only that, I think that with this next pick with Baltimore Ravens, I think he's a perfect fit there. Um, with him off the board, unfortunately, for Baltimore – I'm going to go defensive end, Tack McKinley out of UCLA. I really, really, truly wanted Reuben Foster. I think that's a perfect situation for him. But I think that Tack can fit the uh, the pass rushing void that an aging Elvis Dumerville uh, will be leaving. Yeah, Reuben Foster belongs in the Ravens, if you think about it. He, he is a Ray Lewis kind of guy. He, he belongs there. Okay, well, McKinley was my guy here, too. Matt's pretty good at uh, snatching my dudes. So I'm going to go the best defensive player available. I think they really need to improve that defensive line. Uh, so I'm going to go go ahead and go uh, Hassan Reddick here just because tax off the board. Uh, I, I think that Red, the Redskins have got a ton of issues. Uh, the, facing that defensive line, just like I did with us, uh, I, it helps them in all phases of the game. So I think that that's where you have to go with that pick. I, I like both of those picks there. Um but it does put me in a hard spot at 18 with the Tennessee Titans. 
Oh, this is a tough one because there's a lot of places that you could go. There's no surefire guy. You know, Foster didn't drop. Howard didn't drop. You know, none of the, the premium defensive backs dropped this far. So it kind of puts you in a weird position here. You could go David Najuku out of Miami, uh, Buda Baker, uh, Jaron Conley. There's a lot of places you could go. But my pick for me is, is just going to be the cornerback that I like the best that's still on the board. And for me, that's Tredavious White, out of cornerback uh, out of Clemson. Or LSU, my bad, not Clemson. LSU. Yeah. Matt was about to get all kinds of I didn't even realize I said it. Uh, yeah, but Tredavious White, cornerback out of LSU. And this is just the cornerback that I like the best that's still on the board. Um, really, you could. everybody has their own preference. Uh, and I have no idea what John Robinson is. Believe it or not, he doesn't return my calls. So this is who I'm going with here. We didn't address cornerback with the first pick, so if we don't trade back here, which is obviously what I what I really want, trade back, get that second round pick. Uh, it's imperative that we get a cornerback that can help us. Logan Ryan is a good corner, but he's good in the slot. He's not a guy that plays with his back on the sideline. Tre'Davious White is a guy that can do that for us, and you know, obviously, give us a huge lift and a probably, actually, I'll say definitely our biggest place of need. I'm unfamiliar with him. He wouldn't be my choice at 18, even if we do go corner, which obviously we do need. But uh, and maybe it's just because I don't know much about the guy. But I, there's there's more guys out there that I think would be probably a, a better selection at 18. But at the same time, I would also prefer to trade back. So yeah, I, I think if I'm sitting there at that pick, I might trade back from that one too and use this pick to get into the second round. Absolutely. That's what I would have done if we were doing tradebacks. Buccaneers. Uh, with this one, um, they could go corner, but I think that – I don't know what it is about the guy who just seems like another natural fit, kind of like Hooker did. I'm going to go back to safety uh, from the University of Washington, Buda Baker. I think he's a real versatile guy. He can also be a solid nickel corner if they need him to be. Just, again, just kind of has that natural feel that I could definitely see him in a Bucks jersey, and, and I think it's a good pick and good value at that selection. Oh, you know, he's Buda Baker, BB on the Buccaneers, yeah. Broncos, I, I know that they've kind of rebuilt their defensive line again after losing a couple players, and you know, that's one of the reasons why we got Sylvester Williams is because they, they've made some moves. But I think that they still have to go defensive line here again, uh, probably just because I'm a – offensive defensive line guy but i'm going charles harris with this pick he's a he's a good new piece he's got lots of promise and i think he's a good value at 20 all right guys i had this guy penciled in here at 21 and i was just hoping that no one would take him uh and he would drop this far because i think it fits well and uh he ended up doing it so with the 21st pick detroit lions taking dalvin cook running back florida state I like this pick for them. Obviously, need uh, a true number one running back. Lions GM uh, Bob Quinn has said that he's determined to get faster in this draft. Delvin Cook did run a four four nine in the combine, which doesn't blow you away. But according to Sports Science, for those who have seen this, it's amazing. His twenty yard split in pads is the same of the combine record holder for the forty, John Ross. So the guy is fast blazingly fast the Lions were 30th in rushing last year this is a great 
chance for them to end their seemingly endless search for a true number one running back. And the reason I didn't go Christian McCaffrey here is I think McCaffrey's more of a pass-catching running back. I'm not convinced that he's a three-down running back. And they already have Theo Riddick, who has been a successful pass-catching running back. So, you know, why already get what what you have when you can get something that you don't have? And that's a guy that can run it on first and second down and set you up for short third downs. Um, So that's, I think, would do a lot of good for this Detroit Lions offense. Yeah, I agree. I think it's a great pick for the Lions. Uh, for all the reasons you gave, I would honestly have taken him at 19 with the Buccaneers. Um, they don't know what Curtis Martin is going to be like. They, they, he should be back. He's he's with the team. They're having a chance to look him over. Doug, Martin. I think he, he was a yeah. Curtis sorry. Martin's retired, but yeah, but, and, but and a much better running back too. Yes, but, <laughs> no, um, I, I think that he he would have been a great fit at uh, 19. Also, <clears throat> can't argue that. Um, where are we at? Number 22 now. There's a few big names out there still that should definitely go in these next few picks. One guy that uh, local Titans fans will definitely appreciate, I think, though, the Dolphins should select Derek Barnett. I think he fits the Dolphins' scheme perfectly. I think he, he reminds me of a, a Cameron Wake who's getting up there in age. Now, he's a he's an outside linebacker, but I think that um, they'll be able to use Barnett in a few different ways where, where he's going to – be used right away, and uh, I think that he's one of the bigger names that kind of fell a little bit here to two, uh, number 22, so I'm going to take Derek Barnett. Yeah, I think that's a great fit. If, if he falls to them at 22, they, they will be all kinds of thrilled for all the reasons you just gave. Um, uh, speaking of great fits, we still got a guy on the board I think is perfect for the Giants. The Giants and Eli Manning are always struggling to get quality play out of their tight ends. So I'm going with the guy that people were probably hoping that would drop if we could have a chance to trade back and get him later in David Njuku. Uh, he's just he's exactly what they need. He's a dynamic player. He makes plays. The team is just desperate for a safety valve for Manning, and they don't have a lot of time left. So he's a guy who can come in and play right now. Uh, while Eli Manning's still got a year or two left on him. So I, I think that's the perfect fit, and they're just all kinds of happy in their war room right now. I agree, dude. I, th- I really do think like that one particularly and, and the couple that I've named that just are perfect fits. Like I can already see them in those jerseys. Yeah, I think both of those last two picks are, are good picks there. Um, I think they're both really good fits. I, I like Derek Barnett a lot. I think he doesn't get the praise that he deserves. And and obviously uh, anybody who's listening to the show knows that I'm pretty high on David Njuku. So great fits there and great picks. Uh, at number 24, this one's a little harder. You know, Oakland Raiders here obviously going on the defensive side of the ball. And I think I know who I'm going to take here, and that's uh, Jaron Conley, cornerback, Ohio State. You have Sean Smith and David Amerson who have been a liability in deep coverage, and the Raiders need a guy that can cover deep down the field. You know, Conley hasn't played regularly against the best wide receiver talent, obviously being in the Big Ten, but he has to regularly play the deep ball uh, because most of the teams that the Ohio State plays play have to play from behind, um, you know, because of how easy their schedule is, how good of a football team they are. And Conley did that pretty well. So I think this would be a, a chance for them to upgrade on that defense, which is where they really need to focus and build a defense that can support um, you know, the offense that they've built there that is fantastic. So that's my pick here is, is Jaron Conley, cornerback, Ohio State. Um, 
I'm not correcting you, so bear with me. Is that really how you say his name? Jaron, yeah. It doesn't uh, look like in it. My head, in my no, head, it's been Garyon for like No, yeah, it, it looks like Garyon. <laughs> when I first started talking uh, about him, I was like, Garyon, and a lot of Ohio State fans gave me shit for it. So uh, yeah. it's Jaron. All right, well, fair enough. That's uh, something we learn something every day. I guess there's a lot of guys in this draft that if I never heard it, I would definitely not know how to pronounce it. But uh, number 25, the Texans, obviously their biggest need is a is a quarterback. And we've talked about this in recent weeks, how Glenn thinks they'll pick up a free agent. Ryan and I both think they go draft. So obviously I'm going to stick with that. I've read, I don't know how true it is, but I've read that uh, Bill O'Brien has a little boy crush on Patrick Mahomes. So... I'm going to go ahead and make him that pick. Mahomes has a strong arm, and I think Bill O'Brien believes he can mold Mahomes into what he's looking for. So with the top two already off the board, I think Sean Kaiser could be in play here. But from what I've read, that I think he likes Mahomes, so I'm going to go ahead and say Mahomes. Yeah, everything I've seen you know, says the same thing. Bill O'Brien wants that strong arm quarterback. You know, Osweiler has a cannon for an arm. Mahomes has that same kind of a gun. He's just not terribly accurate. And that, that's probably what you'll end up landing at, you know, so, someone like that down there in Houston. They may go the opposite direction and go for someone with a little bit more accuracy, but not quite that powerful arm, just after having got a taste of Brock Osweiler. But I think they go back to that well again. So I, I think that's a dead right pick if he's still on the board at that point. And with the wide receiver talent that the Texans have, you know, you don't have to be the best quarterback to have success with those guys. They have some guys there that can really get open. So if you have a guy that's got a big arm, you can have take some shots downfield. And, you know, if he throws a pick here and there, you can still win games if the guy's hitting more often than not. You know, I mean, look at the career Brett Favre had. Yeah, exactly. I, I wouldn't put him in that same conversation. My, my deal with Mahomes right. is every, every time I listen to someone talk about him, uh, they, they talk about how he he's trying to, like nurture that comparison between him and Aaron Rodgers as a gunslinger, except for he's trying to play like that all the time. The, the question being, does he have enough control, uh, enough the ability to learn to be an NFL quarterback and take what he's given and then only take those shots whenever it's time to take that shot instead of just trying to be a gunslinger every play. Uh, so, so that's the gamble. Uh, if he can't do it, if he can't be an NFL quarterback, Texans are the perfect spot for him to go. We'll, we'll all love that pick. I hope he sucks. Me too. That's what I'm saying. Uh, <laughs> so moving on, uh, Seahawks. This is the kind of pick I think that they would make because they have no idea how to build an offensive line. This is going to be the first offensive lineman to go in this draft. I imagine probably in the first round, midway through the second even. We're, we're going to go ahead and take Cam Robinson not because he's the best uh, tackle, but because it's the Seahawks and they wouldn't draft the best tackle given that option. Uh, they, I don't know what the hell those guys do when they're trying to evaluate offensive line talent, but it had nothing to do based in reality. So I'm taking Cam Robinson here because they've got to get a tackle in there somehow. And right tackle is their biggest need. And if I was going to start Cam Robinson, it would have to be on the right side. I like that pick. Um Cam Robinson, I think, is like the only guy, well, maybe one of two guys with the kid out of Wisconsin that I think should be taken in the first round of tackle. Just not a lot of tackle talent in this draft. Uh, luckily for us, it seems like the last couple of years that the draft has fit what the Titans really need 
you know, so that's worked out for us. But I, I, I like that pick there. I think it's a good pick. Next one here, Kansas City Chiefs. This one's a, a little tougher here with, you know, who's still on the board. These late picks definitely get tough to predict um, once you get down the list. But uh, I'm going to go here, the guy that might surprise some people, and Jordan Lewis, the cornerback out of Michigan. Uh, I've seen this guy rated as low as a sixth-round pick, as high as a first-round pick. I like him from watching this tape. I think that he definitely needs to improve his footwork. But for what he does, he's very productive, obviously. 20 pass breakups and two interceptions, and he only played 13 games last season. Small a corner, but very effective. Uh, joins a great secondary, so you don't need him to be you know, blowing people away at first because you have the safety blanket over top and Eric Berry, and on the other side of you, you know, with uh, Peters, you have a great young cornerback and two guys that you can definitely learn from. So it's a good system to bring in a guy, and they need a guy opposite Peters that can really play the ball. Uh, there's some other guys that you can definitely go here. Obviously, this cornerback class is very deep. I just like Jordan Lewis. I think that he would be a good fit for Kansas City here. And I think a lot of people would disagree and say someone else, but that's the corner that I like here. To stay in that wheelhouse, I'm going to go ahead and take the uh, Dallas Cowboys next selection, also a cornerback. A guy that I would take over Jordan Lewis and even uh, probably over a couple other guys that have already been selected, um, Kevin King out of Washington. The guy is 6'3", 200 pounds, ran a 4'4", great size, obviously, probably the tallest corner in this draft i would imagine i'm not i don't have that in front of me but i'm, I'm, I'm guessing that's the case they're nine and a half inch vertical he uh played every game his senior year he, he had some issues with injury in, in his previous three years but uh did not miss one game this this past season and you know obviously with buda baker back there as well that secondary was pretty solid and i think dallas falls in love with this kid's size and his uh potential so with the 28th pick kevin king that's a good pick. Um, definitely, they need the help, so it's something that they would do. I agree that I like King better than some of the other corners who have already gone. Uh, I blame that mostly on Ryan because he's been drafting the corners. <laughs> yeah, I definitely have. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so, going to the Packers, uh, we, we talked about this guy earlier as being more of a pass-receiving guy. Um, if you saw what the Packers did this last year using a wide receiver as their running back, then this makes perfect sense where you bring a running back who's more of a wide receiver. And uh, Christian McCaffrey, I think he's a natural fit for them. They would have loved to have gotten you know, either one of the guys who already went. They, they would have been you know, all kinds of happy with you know, Fournette, who had no chance. Cook, if he could have dropped to them instead of going to the Lions, they would have loved that because they'd rather not have to play him with Detroit. But Christian McCaffrey, I think, is a natural fit for them. I know he came out and said he wants to go play for his dad's old team and play for the Broncos, but the Broncos don't need him. Um, I, I think that the Packers, if he's there, they take him. Possibly they would trade up a little bit to get to him, but definitely they take him at this point. I like that pick there. Yeah, that, that I think that will be a good fit for them, too. And I think that he's his how dynamic of a player he is will add to any offense. Uh Going at the number 30th pick here with the Pittsburgh Steelers. You know, the Steelers secondary definitely needs an uplift here. And this is going to be my third corner in a row I'm taking here. But uh, a guy that I really like, and I'm hoping that he falls into the second round and we trade back and get an early second-round pick so we have a chance to grab this guy. But uh, in our mock draft, he's not falling into the second round. He's going right here, and that's Quincy Wilson, cornerback out of Florida. 
He's a big corner, uh, you know, one of the biggest corners, if not the biggest in the draft. Allowed under 40% completion percentage, and you know, his last year at Florida. He's a really good corner, very confident, you know, he really straddles that line between the uh, confident and cocky. That's something that you want in a cornerback, though. You see that the guys, you have to have that mentality that, you know, after a play happened, it's out of your mind. You're moving on to the next thing. You can't let it set with you at the cornerback position. He might be better suited to play safety because of his size, his willingness to tackle. Uh, but the Steelers need help all over their secondary. So even if he does work out better at safety, this pick still works uh, for the Pittsburgh Steelers. And that's why I, th- I like the fit. I think it would fit them very well. But hopefully, and I think, a guy that Tennessee could mold into something special, another team, obviously, in Tennessee that could use help at both positions. Yeah, my thing with him is he doesn't have just a ton of deep speed. And at corner and at wide receiver, speed makes the difference. I think he's going to have to be more of a uh, a cover three uh, zone-type safety. Not safety, a corner, or like you said, a, a safety. He's definitely a playmaker. He's a guy I like a lot. Uh, I had him higher on my board before I saw his 40 time, which just didn't impress me. He he didn't test out well enough for me at the combine to think that he's going to be a man on an island. But you could put him out there in a zone, and I think he'd do pretty well for you. Yeah, not a bad pick at all. I, I do see him as a second rounder, but that last pick, and uh, you can pick whoever you want, so I'm not going to fight exactly. it. <laughs> uh, with my last pick, I got the Atlanta Falcons, and I think they're a team that, really doesn't have any glaring needs and I'm probably reaching a little bit with this guy, but again, it's, it's my draft. I do that. Um, I'm going to go ahead and take linebacker TJ Watt. Kid's got a great motor and I, I really think that they could plug him in right away. Maybe not, you know, an all three down kind of guy at first, maybe just situationals, but I, I do think he grows into a, a good player, a good solid starter uh, to put him on the other side of Vic Beasley. I think, could easily benefit an already great defense. Yeah, can't argue with that. Uh, I, like, like you said, hit, pairing him with Vic Beasley makes for a pretty good pass rush. So that, that makes sense to me. Um, maybe a reach, but still, good, good pick. Um, with the Saints, we're going defense again, uh, just because they've got to fix it sometime. Might as well be this year in such a deep defensive draft. If you got two first-round picks and you can get Jamal Adams and you can get Jared Davis as your middle linebacker, that's a, that's a pretty good control to center of the field at that point. So that's what I'm doing here. Um, you know, Jared Davis is still there. I'm kind of surprised. Uh, I felt that way a few times. You know, Matt's stolen some of my players, but him taking T.J. Watt left Jared Davis there for me. And maybe he's not necessarily a first-round guy, but he's close. And he's a guy that you can put on that uh, team, start now, and between him and Jamal Adams, you're feeling pretty good about the center of your uh, defense. I like that pick, but if I'm not mistaken, it's Gerard Davis. Gerard, Jared, whatever. I'm fine. <laughs> uh, I like both of those. <laughs> I like I'm not both high of people. those. I'm stoned. Just to be clear about that, I took a muscle relaxer because I jacked up my neck. Wasted. <laughs> I like both of those picks, though, to end out the draft. I think both fit, and you know, like you said with the Saints, getting two big defensive pieces there definitely help. I, it's interesting, though. Um, that you went Lewis over Cunningham. It, it is, and honestly, whenever I went to Davis, I was thinking Cunningham's already off the board. Like I said, I'm stoned. Uh, you said I'm Lewis, a, by the way. 
Davis. See, you call, here we no, are. No, 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 no. Ryan called him Lewis. Oh, my bad, Davis. And I just didn't catch it. Yeah, you know, <laughs> honestly, yeah, I would take Cunningham before I would take uh, Davis or Watt or probably quite a few of these other defensive guys. You're stoned. Uh, I am stoned. So I'm going to use that as my excuse because I like Cunningham a lot. I would love for him to be a Titan. I'm not sure if Glenn was able to jot down these names as we've been going. Ryan, have you been marking down who's who's been off the board going where? Uh, I've been marking off who I picked and, and just paying attention to who you guys picked as we've gone. I, I've well, scribbled them down. Me, to see how well me being the – right. Well, my question to you guys is I've, I've been following the whole thing. Who do you think out of all these selections that we just made is the best value out of any pick, whether it be T.J. Watt or whether it be, you know, whoever. I, I think Ad, Adams followed all the way to 11 for the Saints. It's just huge. That's exactly where that's exactly where I was going, and if not there, uh, fifteen. Reuben Foster. Yeah, if Foster's there at eight. Two. If he's there at eighteen for us, I don't know how we can pass yeah. on that. Got pointed at that. You know, our consideration for number five going all the way to eleven and fifteen. I mean, that, that's a huge drop. Yeah. At, at Foster going that far down, the fact that he had a diluted sample, no matter what excuse he gives, it's one of those. Bad judgment things right before the draft. If the doctor didn't come out and say, yeah, I gave him a diuretic, I'm still taking that against it. So he could fall a little bit. I don't think he falls all the way to 15. Uh, for Jamal Adams, who there's nothing to really question on that guy. For him to drop to 11, that's a huge steal. You know, the there's, fans are feeling yeah. pretty fucking you know, awesome right that moment. <laughs> there's, there's no way that he falls to 12 or 11, sorry. Yeah, it, it, if it happens, then we're trading back up to 10 to get him. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think that both of those. I would, yeah, I would say Adams even more than than Foster there. Uh, but both of them, I have as guys that are you know top five or very close to top five talent. And you get a top five talent guy at eleven or fifteen. That's definitely a good day for your team. You know, definitely happy in the war room when you get a guy like that that late. Yeah, I think I'm going to change uh, Davis to Cunningham. Um. <laughs> Because you're, you're absolutely right. He's got to go there. And that's another one that you could make an argument for, you know, value being that late in the draft, the guys that went over him. and um, yeah. you know, I've seen people, you know, yeah, I've seen people question if Davis isn't better than Cunningham. So I'll, I'll leave it alone just because people have questioned if he doesn't actually belong Oh, absolutely. Higher. I know some guys that definitely like um, Davis over Cunningham for sure. Uh, it's definitely – I wouldn't say 1A, 1B quite yet, but it's close to that, um, you know, between what people are saying, what people think right now. Yeah, they're, they're close I'm enough to actually you. having that conversation. I'm scared to death of Cunningham. I don't know what it is about him. I think it's his Zach Brown comparison <laughs> in my mind. He, he, I don't know. He may have absolutely nothing to do with Zach Brown, but when I see Cunningham, maybe it's the Zach, I guess. I don't know. I just think Zach Brown. That allergic to contact comment and just everything about it. I, Zach Zach Cunningham scares the shit out of me. It's always cracked me up about Zach Brown. He's a fucking wrestler. He's not a scared of contact. He just wasn't very smart as a football player. Right. Who said that? Mayock. I think Mayock yeah. was the one. So. Mayock said that. It's like he's a fucking wrestler. He's not afraid to get physical with somebody, man. He may not want to take a punch to the face, but he's a wrestler. <laughs> uh, he, he's a. He was a prime example of a Rustin Webster guy, though. Mm-hmm. I mean, just, he was. It was strictly a combine thing. He was fast. You know, Rustin thought he was ahead of the curve. And uh, on paper, that dude looked like a badass. I was a really big fan of that pick, as far as you know his stats went. 
not not so much anything else about the player, but just you're looking at it going, man, you know, if if, if that guy can turn into something, that that's a really good pick. He never turned into anything, so he ended up being the same guy he was in college, which you know never panned out. So definitely a Russian Webster pick because there was no development past that point. I wanted to ask you guys too. Now that we're done the first round, if you have the picks in front of you, who do you look at as the best player available at the start of round two? Well, now we're into the Cunningham conversation again. <laughs> yeah, good, good question, Glenn. If you got some, if you're going Cunningham, I'm, I'm going to. Yeah, I think I'm probably going uh, Zach Cunningham because he he's a good enough middle linebacker he probably should have gone earlier one guy that came to mind is kaiser out of notre dame you know it's a guy that we it looks like he'll be a first round pick hasn't been taken even though i'm not real high on him uh, i still think that you know being the best cornerback left and if not mistaken we didn't pick uh marlon humphrey cornerback out of alabama did we no we did i don't like marlon humphrey so (laughs) he's not a guy i would draft yeah, you you drafted all the corners and you didn't even take them. So right, was, I mean, I'm, I'm not huge on, on them either. Right, <laughs> but there's a couple guys at corner like a Doherty Jackson and him that definitely have the ability to sneak up. Um, you know, Tease Tabor is another one that definitely have the ability to possibly be first rounders, um, but didn't happen to be in ours. But you could talk about being best available uh, when you start round two of this mock. Yeah, but you know, Tease fell down because his draft, his forty time is even worse than uh, um, Wilson's. He he was slow enough that he has to be a safety and probably not a great one. Um, you know, who was the other guy you just mentioned? Oh, Kaiser. You know, n- none of these quarterbacks to me are high value guys, no matter where they're drafted at. They're, there's there's so little difference between them. After I would say Deshaun Watson, no one's really proven enough to me that. I would take them in a first round. I think Watson went the perfect spot, you know, dropping down to about 12. Uh, I would, there's no way I'd take Trubisky that high, but you know, it's the 49ers, so if I did. Yeah. I got a couple guys. Um, we only named two tight ends going in the first, so that leaves you with uh, Evan Ingram is one that stands out. Gerald Everett's another one. Um, the guy I was speaking about, because I actually just decided to look his name up while you guys were talking, he was from Ashland. He's 278, 6'6", ran a 479. Adam Shaheen. Yeah, I've seen um, him a couple times. He's actually, at what I'm looking at right now, he's listed right above Jake Butt. So that's the kind of player we're talking about. Uh, I don't think a lot of guys know who he is yet. I'm sure the scouts who you know do their homework, they do know who he is because obviously I heard about him from somewhere. So <laughs> I, I sure as hell never watched an Ashland game. But uh, there's a lot of tight ends that are going to go in the second and third. Obviously, Jake Butt, I don't think he goes in the second. But, you know, I think every team in the league thinks they can get him in the third. So he probably will go late in the second. Yeah. Um, But tight end is a huge position. Tight end and corner, in my mind, are the the deepest positions in this year's class. So uh, and we only took two tight ends. So those tight ends I named are are definitely going to go day two. But uh, where and when, I don't know. One guy that uh, came to mind, too, just now, a guy I was talking about earlier but couldn't remember his name, um, Ryan Ramchek, the offensive tackle at Wisconsin. Yeah. He's, he was he's the other guy, guy I was thinking about. Yeah, he's a guy that's been jumping up my board as of late, too. I've been gotten the chance to sit down and watch some more of him. And 
I mean, he's he played against some very talented defensive ends and he handled them pretty well. He really impressive when you watch him on tape. So I think he's a guy that's going to go, if not in the first, he'll go early second um, for sure. I think he's a better tackle than uh, Cam Robinson, but I think the Seahawks are more likely to take Cam Robinson. I would agree on both of those statements. Yeah, I absolutely agree. All right, guys, that about ends uh, the show for us. It was a lot of fun doing the mock draft. Um, obviously, Thursday is the the NFL draft. Next week, we'll be coming out with our grades on the Titans draft, how we thought worked out for us. A very exciting time. This is where, you know, a kind of pivotal moment in the offseason where football starts, you know, as Glenn said last week on the show, it really f- makes you feel like the season actually starts uh, with the draft. Um, I know all three of us are really excited. I know the fans out there are really excited. So let's just hope uh, that John Robinson and company can have the best possible draft and we get some really good talent you know, to keep this momentum moving in the direction that it already is and, and we can be a playoff team next year. You know, we're, we're hours away from this thing. So let me just ask you something in closing. Who would piss you off if we take them at five? <laughs> oh, man. Uh, Taco Charlton. I'd be really mad. <laughs> I, I would just throw my shit in the air and walk away. <laughs> like, fuck it. I don't want to know. I, at that point in time, I'm done with it. Um, Corey Davis. Uh, yeah, that's that would, one that, that would get would out. Yeah. Yeah. That's perfect. That's, that's exactly who would I was thinking about my perfect answer right when Glenn said my perfect answer before I realized that it was mine. <laughs> Corey Davis would piss me <laughs> yeah. off. I've gotten those, those to watch kind of the guys. guy. I got to watch the guy in person and against, you know, Ohio. The Ohio University is the college I attend. Got to watch him play Ohio, and our corners are not good, even for the level of talent that we normally get, and he still didn't overly impress me. He had a good game stat-wise, but watching him in person didn't impress me. I like Corey Davis's game, kind of, but not at the pro level. Uh, I just I don't think he's going to be able to separate from, you know, average corners are going to give him fits. So, like like you said, he, he didn't play real well against Ohio, I don't see him doing well in the NFL either. Uh, personally, for me, I have nothing against the kid. I think that he probably will be a decent, solid receiver. But the fact that we would take him at five when I know he's not better than Mike Williams, that would just pretty yeah. much infuriate me. But <laughs> I, Again, <clears throat> that's not going to happen. Taco Charlton is more likely than him, and that's not going to happen. It better not fucking happen. I'll be all kinds of mad. <laughs> uh, listen, like, and, and just to break it down, like even at 18, let's say Mike Williams is off the board, and we take Davis at 18, I won't even know how to cheer for him. Like It'll just be weird. I, I really okay. don't want him on the team. <laughs> yeah, you, you give that a solid C plus B minus grade. <laughs> like, eh. just hate this because I'll, I'll turn into PK when that happens. I'll be the there new you PK. Go. Yeah, just be on his ass all the time. Can do no right. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck's he starting over Tajay? Tajay for president. Yeah, there you go. All right, guys. Um, thanks to all the fans for listening. Thanks to Matt and Glenn for putting this together. And, and special thanks to Matt for coming up with this format. It was a lot of fun to do and uh, go through the draft this way. You know, as I said, obviously next week we'll have our our post draft review. Really get into uh, you know everything that the Titans did right, did wrong in this draft. Hopefully, there's nothing to report on the did wrong side, and we'll obviously do the mailbag and the news as we do each and every week. 
Thanks, everybody, for listening. Good luck to the Titans in the draft and tighten up. And if the draft falls out this way, I want PK's job. <laughs> <laughs> we'll just send this to ESPN. Look, check it out. All right, us. Um, that's all we have for the show. Sorry, fuck. I fucked that up. Forget yeah, this That's the it for the show. Half. Fuck this. Yeah, fuck you. God. That's all it right. for my show. Peace. <laughs> all right. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the Two-Tone Uncensored podcast. You can listen to the show at twotoneuncensored.podbean.com or by downloading the Podbean app on your mobile device. Be sure to follow the show on Twitter at Two-Tone Uncensored and like us on Facebook.